The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code broken silicon for 25% off Windows codes and die shrink for 3% off all other codes. Links in the description and I will say more later, but for now, let's get to the show. Okay, welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. Actually, let me, I've listened to some of the old episodes a little bit looking back on one year, and I I really screw up the intro name regularly. I've called this like all different types of things. What do you, what does my co host think, Dan? Uh, Well, Dan, your co host, thinks uh, he doesn't know what you mean. Do you mean like you screw up saying broken silicon, or do you just mean? No, I'll be like a computer hardware, a, a hardware and gaming. And I think the most succinct way to put it would be a gaming hardware podcast. That is the most accurate way to say it quickly without stumbling around like a drunken sailor. That's probably true. But I mean, without some of the drunken sailor charm, what do we even have? I mean, let's be honest, as long as uh, I still have another job, half the time we're recording this at like 9 p.m. after a beer when I'm exhausted from work. Although that should be, that will be, that will be changing in a week. I am going full time. And so anyone on the Discord or Patreon or YouTube comments, just keep in mind if I've been less responsive, well, frankly, there's more of you to talk to because of how big the channel's getting. But also uh, a lot of stuff you got to get in order. When you uh, leave a position you've been in for many years, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's not the same magnitude for you as it as it is for me. But I mean, I'm planning a big move right now and everything, so it's it's all busy for us right now. This year is a a time of transition for the Moore's Law's dead brothers. Yeah, very much so. I actually, um, so the monitors I have, I work from home usually. They're going to take two of the monitors away on Thursday. I actually did find a monitor oh. that I ordered, Dan. What did you? Um, it is 4K, 120 hertz. You can set it to 144 hertz as well. It's technically HDR, but it's like, you know, one of those HDR 400, barely, not really HDR things. Um, uh, I, what made me decide to get it is a Concept D which I guess is an artsy-fartsy brand from Acer. Um, It comes pre... It has really, really high contrast and color accuracy, and it comes pre-calibrated from the factory. And so I got that for $800, which is still, you know, more than I wanted to eventually spend. But that's, you know, for something new, that is a lot cheaper than what a lot of these other 4K monitors were just six months ago. And it has, and I, and it, for those who look it up, it did take quite a lot of research because of in, uh, NVIDIA's weird marketing uh, requirements now where you like have to say G-Sync and try to not tell people it has adaptive sync. I had to like find, just dig and dig into two reviews where I finally found, yes, supposedly it supports both adaptive sync and G-Sync, which is important to me because I don't want to be, I don't even just want to be locked into AMD. I guess I would, probably pick that because i think eventually everything will support it anyways but i, I want yeah. the monitor to be able to use any product i get in the next few years so yeah that's exciting that'll allow me to it is a problem you know like my work monitors are 
semi-professional grade. And so like when I'm editing a video, sometimes I'll drag the video <laughs> editor into the other screen to make sure the brightness is accurate. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a loss that you're losing those two monitors, but I mean, it's good that you found one good replacement for the time being. Yeah. And, and, and this might surprise some people because I've been hell bent on like not upgrading my monitor for so long, but I came to the conclusion today, especially once I found one that was kind of what I was looking for. I mean, if you think about it, it's basically the Eve Spectre that comes out later this year, probably if there's not delayed, we don't know with these small companies. Yeah. Um, and except I'm paying like an extra couple hundred bucks now for basically the same thing, little worse panel, uh, technology probably, but better color accuracy. And it's like, I'll pay the extra price so I can have it now. And I, and I also thought like, you know, when I want to get a micro led OLED, or maybe a really good mini led monitor, eventually that's 4k or higher especially when we have these newer, more powerful graphics cards. But the thing is, I still don't know when the perfect one's going to come out. And if I wait for those to come out, I'm going to end up splurging on, you know, you see how fast some of these monitors come down in price. I would still be like wasting money if I waited for that and bought it right at release in a year. So I just came to the conclusion, let's get this. You know, now I have two monitors and then eventually I'll just get a nicer one in a few years and it'll be the nicest of the nicest ones. I won't be forced to just be trigger happy and get what I've been waiting for right away. Marked up prices. Well, yeah. And plus, if you need, uh, wait, will you have three monitors total then still? Or will it? I mean, I have a couple monitors in the back. We'll see what I decide to do. I'll probably put a third one. Yeah. I've got like a 1440p, one of those old, old, like the first 1440p, like Korean monitors with like a dead pixel that came, you know, from reject panels from Apple. I've got one of those. I actually don't know if I still have the adapter for that because, of course, it's DVI only. And then I've got an old Vizio 1080p monitor slash TV thing that I might put up there. But there's a crack in it. Yeah. It's a smaller yeah. crack, though. <laughs> but we'll decide. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We will see. I'll have more real estate either way with that gorgeous 4K monitor coming. How you doing, Dan, though? How, how have you been? I see your adorable dog behind you. I'm pretty good. She's been pretty good. Busy at work, but pretty good. Did you kill plenty of fish? Um, Today? Oh, yeah, today I did. That's good. That is your job, is to experiment and kill fish every day. We're not even talking about all of the bacteria I have to kill every day, Tom. There's also a lot of that. Um. Let's uh, get into the corrections. We don't have that many here. Blokes writes in and he says, in the latest video, which I believe he's referring to that faked uh, AMD RDNA 2 video, he goes, nice faux pas about the fact that RDNA 2 might not beat top Turing Titan. Uh, RTX 7, or he might be referring to AMD's show of force uh, by 70 to 90% better than Titan RTX Turing. Titan RTX 70 better. Oh, I think he's talking about the YouTube uh, transcript of what I said. Yeah, I don't know. Some of those videos in the past couple of weeks, I've been exhausted, blokes. <laughs> I just apologize. Like, that's why I'm doing this full time now. I've been saving up a lot, like a lot, a lot, putting away like half of what I made for two years. And, um, you know, I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do this full time now. And I apologize. There have been, yeah, I've stumbled over some words in videos. I, I, I hope, I hope you guys have found it more charming than annoying. <laughs> I think it's mostly some of the people on Reddit that really, really hammer in the slight misspeaking, but 
Well, yeah, and then you see the way they type on Reddit, and it's like a freaking ramblings of a drunken lunatic. Yeah. I can't even put a period after half of the sentences. But or, or there will be the one guy that it's perfect grammar, but it took him like three days to type up one Reddit comment, <laughs> and it's like you know clapping, bravo, you responded. It's just you take three days to respond on, so three people on Reddit could see it. <laughs> Uh, that may have came off harsh, but that is what I think. All right, Phil writes in, and he says, good away for the giveaway with the Windows 10 keys and the last live stream. Might be the most insightful question of the chat for the next Broken Silicon. Yeah, and I do plan to give them away a few more. A CDK offers gave me these Windows 10 keys. I'm honestly kind of awkward about giving them out. I'm not someone that really thought about giveaways. I never intend that to be a part of my channel, but they did give me these keys to give to you guys. So uh, yeah, I guess if you're listening to this on YouTube, it'll probably be in the comments there as well to promote the website and give a Windows 10 key to a couple lucky viewers. I don't know, Dan. Anything to add to these corrections? Uh, I don't know how to coordinate giveaways, so no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm incredibly awkward about it. Uh, All right, so let's get into the news. Story number one. Moore's Law is dead, runs with fake info for fun, and Jim tears in outdoor TV tears into it too. So I will this so for those who don't know, this video did incredibly well. I think it perfectly walked the line of something people who don't like me would share to try to make fun of me. And then people who are fans would click on immediately because it's an interesting video. I mean, the point of the video was really to show how you would break down what's fake. Uh, One thing that actually amused me is I literally say in the video, um, there's a thousand things I could point out about why this is fake, but I'm just going to point out the ones that I think personally are unique to what I saw that I'm not seeing other people point out. And and then the amount of comments of just, I can't believe you missed this. (laughs) It's like, I, I didn't miss that dude. Like I didn't miss, like I pointed this out to you, Dan, after the video went live. Did you notice that it says Red Dead Redemption and not Red Dead Redemption 2 in one of the bar charts? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a ton of issues in that. Uh, it, there's a ton of issues in the, those slides. And if you wanted to make a video that exhaustively went through every single thing on on that slide that was wrong, I mean, you could have, I guess. I mean, it would take forever. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the one that people seem to get uh, most, and that's the first one I spotted, was the... Uh, fact that the card was clearly a photoshop of a what was it 5700 and a vega 64 uh liquid cool right uh but yeah i mean there was a ton of issues with that um the people that weren't sure what you were trying to do with that video i don't know how you could have been more clear with it honestly well, I think I should have, and I, and you know, I intentionally, you know, I put the question mark and the corporate espionage in the top, and the first comment that said fake, I hearted it and pinned it to the video <laughs> just to make it absolutely clear in the comments. And it's not like I waited a day and decided to, it's like the first comment that said fake, which was like the second comment of the video, I pinned it just so everyone understood. No, no, no. I do think this is fake, and I agree with this viewer, but I did try to make it a little ambiguous, frankly, for fun. Because I know that, I'm just being honest, that it, it's fun to consider the like 1% chance it's real, although it's probably not even 1%. And I did find some suspicious things that it got right for how many things other things were just lazily thrown together, which is what made me look at it in an odd way for way too long. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I've always also heard like the theory that it could be... Uh... I don't know, some hastily thrown together slide for like an internal meeting. 
But even then, that would be re- yeah. That would be really. I think that's unlikely, but maybe I kind of hinted at that. I, I think that would actually be a little strange, though, because if you're trying to hastily throw together a slide for a meeting, so what you're telling me is instead of just like typing what you want to type out on the slide, you're going to take shots from, I mean, lettering from other slides and expand them. That I, I don't know if that really makes sense. Well, the answer is actually yes. So I shared it with some people internally that helped me like fact check things. And they said, no, you should see some of the early slides and meetings at these companies. They look like there's, I mean, sometimes there's even spelling mistakes in the final slides. Like, yeah, like, so they pointed out, no, I had a couple people point out, no, I've seen way worse early slides. Okay. I mean, so that's the sad thing. You think, well, yeah, internal slides that I don't think that's that big of a deal, but you would think. You should see the stuff I see at work. You, you, it's nuts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I've seen some pretty, I, I've seen some pretty uh, awkward slides in scientific meetings where it's like they just throw like eighty graphs on a slide because they don't want to talk about all of them in depth. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, it, I, I guess that's true. You'd think uh, people would do a few more passes on it, but I don't know. If you're just doing a quick meeting, I don't know why you would really. You know, I do have one piece of insight to add to this. Um, I, I talked to I, all different types of people, and I was asked to not say who it is, but there's someone who's like a head editor at a tech site, and he told me, to be honest, your theory that it's AMD trying to put out misinformation is not what I think it is. He said, my gut says that's from NVIDIA. And he said that because who's the we- who's the YouTuber who just put out all this Ampere information that blew up well, you, and it would make sense that NVIDIA would send a fake leak at you to try to discredit you, which is something that he said that he's seen NVIDIA do before, is send fake leaks to people to try to make them discredited so no one pays attention <laughs> to their other info. I'm being clear. I'm being serious. Someone suggested that to me. I don't know if I think that. I think most likely it's just a troll, to be honest. But that is food for thought. Well, and the other thing was, this was interesting. I do need to add this. I almost forgot. So I put a poll on YouTube and Twitter, and I said, indeed, the last video I was referencing fake info. However, it seems that wasn't obvious to everyone. In fact, some reactions got me thinking, if the leak is true, how would it line up with your expectations? And I put stronger, weaker, or around what you expect from Big Navi. 47% think this like 32% beating 2080 Ti with what is clearly probably not the top card in this leak. I don't know if the bullshit leaker thought about if it was a top card or not. (laughs) You know, 47% said around what they expect. 29 and then 24% say weaker than expected. So that suggests 71% of people expect it to be at least that or better. I'm a little worried we're getting to Vega levels of hype here. Um, I mean, we might be. There seems to be something with AMD specifically where people always build up the, the, uh, cards and more than what they should and everyone is always inevitably let down and it's like just a reasonable release (laughs) yeah well i guess that's all i have to say i mean just to summarize it again it like said like i I don't want to summarize what was in the leak i would say watch the video because if i summarize what's in the leak there will be a decent amount of people that go oh i hope that's true and it's like well but it doesn't (laughs) you know even if it turns out to be true wouldn't that be hilarious if those specs were almost entirely correct and i'd still go i think maybe a troll just guessed correctly guys (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I'll say it right now. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the specs in that were correct. I mean, sure. They're yeah. not insane. No, I, it's, it's about kind of what I expect too, to be honest. Um, maybe a little stronger 
than I expect, actually. But I don't know. Anyways, yeah. we got to move on. Story number two. Apple switches to its own chips for Mac computers as it adds features and privacy controls. And this comes from Reuters. Apple on Monday said it will switch to its own chips for its Mac computers, saying the first machines will ship this year and ending a nearly 15-year reliance on Intel Corp to supply processors for its flagship laptops and desktop. The Silicon Switch brings the Mac into line with the company's iPhone and iPads, which already use Apple-designed chips. Cook said that Apple expects Mac transition to take about two years and that Apple still has has some Intel-based computers in its pipeline that it will support for many years. But the move will give software developers for Apple's largest pool of third-party apps, those built for iPhones and iPads, new access to its laptops and desktops for the first time. Apple software chief Craig, uh-oh, Federighi, said that for those offering, most apps will just work and no changes from the developers on the new Macs. He also said that the vast majority of existing apps for Intel-based machines can be modified to work in just a few days. But analysts said Intel would likely is likely to continue to supply Apple with data center chips that power servers such as iCloud. In a statement, Intel responded to the information by saying that Apple remained a customer across several areas of business and it that it was still focused on the PC market. Quite big news. This has been rumored for years and as always, will they, won't they? I mean, I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before. I mean, I I thought I saw we saw this coming from a mile away that this was going to happen at some point. I guess I always thought it was going to be more of their laptop market that they would just fill in with uh, Apple products. But I mean, Apple. Yeah, this suggests desktop is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I I don't know if they're suggesting they'll they're like HEDT stuff is going to be replaced with their own chips, but. I mean, there's no reason they can't make a high core count chip based on Apple's CPU architecture, which I don't, I know very little about, so I won't yeah. go into it. But I do know that I've, 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 I have in the past looked up IPC comparisons, and it's actually pretty favorable to Intel's latest uh, per clocks and per cores. So it's actually pretty, pretty robust. And I mean, it's just supporting all the apps. I have to think they would stay with Intel or switch to AMD for select products. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. Then again, I don't know. This is the thing of like, you know, when people kept asking, you know, in Reader Mail, um, you know, why are they still using Intel? It's hilarious. They're using this terrible 28 core with a, you know, Mac exclusive dual Vega card. It looks ridiculous. (laughs) Why aren't they using Threadripper? And it's like, probably because they don't intend to use either for much longer. And so they might as well just not put in the work and software and hardware porting AMD in. Although I know they've been testing like Van Gogh and stuff there, but I mean that that so it really lines up with you know their decisions openly too, like why they keep using Intel because they're not going to for much longer. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess given this uh, information now, that does make a lot more sense why they wouldn't want to sign a new. I don't know how these agreements work exactly, but maybe multi-year agreement with AMD to go. For their uh, HEDT products. So, I mean, maybe that also suggests that their high-end stuff is also going to be on uh, Apple chips. I have to assume, right, though, that they'll phase in the weaker ones first. And I, I would think for a while they're going to keep Intel or switch at least the very top, right, workstations yeah. to Threadripper. I just like, with how good Zen 3 is going to be, I, I and then Zen 4, I'll be surprised if 
I, I, and I could be wrong. I mean, here they are openly stating they're switching to their own stuff, but I'd be surprised if they didn't like switch to like Zen 3 or something for their workstations moving forward or, or who knows, Ice Lake, right? Yeah. Server uh, or Ice Lake HEDT, which comes out quarter one, as I've covered in a video. So I, I, don't, I guess, but you know, that's what they say. So maybe they will. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, let us move on to story number three. AMD launches the Radeon Pro 5600M with Navi 12 graphics featuring 8 gigabytes of HBM2 memory. So this is basically a Navi 10 with 25, you know, so 2560 stream processors. Um, let me read the summary from video cards. AMD Navi 12 GPU featuring 40 compute units with a total of 2560 stream processor. The Radeon Pro 5600M is the first graphics card to feature this graphics processor. The card will have a maximum theoretical FP32 performance of 5.3 teraflops. This means that the clock speed is estimated at around 1035 megahertz. The Radeon Pro 5600M has 8 gigabytes of HBM2 memory across a 2048-bit bus. This is a dual HBM2 die configuration. The memory bandwidth of 394 gigabytes per second translates into an effective clock speed of 1540 megahertz. Uh, the new 5600M is a mobile graphics card for the MacBook Pro. It is now offered alongside the 5300M and 5500M. I mean, yeah, so it was pointed out to me that this uses like 50 watts. And I don't remember, it performs about as well as a 5600 XT in games. Hmm, huh, okay. I mean, it looks pretty decent. Um, the HBM2 is interesting. Is that is that low uh, bandwidth for HBM2? Or yeah, that... it's less bandwidth than the GDR6 late in Navi 10. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I'm assuming that's just to save power, but 50 watts oh, yeah. isn't isn't a small TDP uh, for a laptop graphics card. Well, it allows it to use like 20% less energy than an RTX yeah. 2060. And mobile, and then it also manages to perform probably about the same or slightly better. So it is, you know, better. One thing I want to point out about this, though, that other people have, some people have been pointing out, is this isn't Navi 10 with HBM. This is a different die. If you look at the die shot, it's reconfigured. It's not like they can just add this. So this is an entirely yeah. different die. This is not, oh, they could have done this the whole time. They probably had it designed for a while and just decided to release it now for whatever reason. Um, but that that really is worth mentioning that a lot of people are missing of like, oh, see, they can't add HBM. It's like, no, this is its own die, guys, as far as I'm aware. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good point to bring out. I don't know how much I have to add to that, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Let us go to story number four. Now, this one is just a mashup of links that people can click on below. I just titled for, it was Igor's Lab, right? Because that came out right after we recorded the previous yeah. podcast, me and you, because we do this every two weeks in between guest episodes. And so there's that, but then there's like five other links. I just call it Endless Ampere Leaks. It, they're kind of all over the place with RTX 3090, sometimes still mentioning RTX 3080 Ti, a Titan's mentioned, sometimes not mentioned, 3080. Uh, performance kind of, I've seen conflicting coverage of the leaked performance too. I mean, how much, did you do any digging on this, Dan? What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I tried to uh, like look at all the links in here and like look at the leaks uh, and what people are saying about the leaks, but I don't know. It, it's hard to keep track of everything. There's so damn many of them now. I mean, it looks like the top GA102 die will be have 24 gigabytes of RAM and 5376 
cuticors, I think. Which is but, what I said in my yeah. Ampere information. So. so that seems to be pretty set in stone to me, but everything else is all over the place, including the naming. I like how some websites have just taken to calling it like two different possible names because they're just, we, we don't know what, what this is going to be called anymore. Yeah, I guess what I want to say, though, is I've made three Ampere videos. I made the first one when I started getting information. Then I did that giant 30-minute one, which was the, you know, going through all of it. And then I did that update video when I received just a little bit more, which basically just said, yeah, those coolers are real. And also, by the way, they've increased memory speeds and clock speeds a bit, and it uses more power, which... To be clear, that third video, that update came out days before Igor's lab and and he said the same stuff. So I'm pretty confident in my info, but there's a lot of people asking me, what do you think about this Ampere leak? What do you think about this Ampere leak? And, you know, as anyone watching this on YouTube would have seen the goofy thumbnail of like me acting like a Charlie Day and it's always sunny in Philadelphia, like (laughs) freaking out with a board, looking at all, trying to connect the dots like it's a conspiracy. It's like, I I don't want to do that. I'm not going to make a video about Every little Twitter post about Ampere, I have my three Ampere videos and a couple of follow-up statements with more information in podcasts. That's my info. And if other people have other info, that's their info. But most of it seems to be painting a similar picture. Uh, and I'm just not going to comment on every little thing. I mean, yeah, I think the most notable thing is uh, it doesn't look... Uh, I think some of the leaks were saying that... Uh, the clock doesn't break the two gigahertz barrier, but that's about it. Well, they said that in that benchmark, it didn't. And I just saw an analysis of it recently, which again, who knows who's right about this stuff? Because I want to be clear, what I received, I'm confident in. So that's that. Yeah. And I don't care what other people are leaking. That's my info. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But this idea that I'm going to make some update video, it's like, no, I've actually made mistakes in the past by being indecisive and updating my info and other people say stuff. I think it's better for everyone to put out the research they can do. And then it's up to the people who view these videos and they read these articles to come to their own conclusion. And, and I, and one analysis of that though. So there was one that showed like one thing was like 26% better than a 2080 TI, I believe, but it yeah. was clocked much lower than normal. And in fact, someone pointed out that the memory clock speeds point to it probably being the mobile version. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Which would make sense. A mobile version would be 1900 megahertz, which I said in my first leak, at least 1900 megahertz for most models. And yeah, the desktop one's probably going to be clocked 20, 30% faster. And, And keep in mind, whatever the boost clocks are reported right now in leaks, we don't know if it's an engineering sample that's underclocked. And we also don't know the final clock speed because what I reported in my leak is what it was boosting to typically. That... Turing boosts far yeah. above its rated boost clocks. Yeah, that's true. And I would also add to your point about you not making update videos about other leaks. Uh, at some point, I don't know if there's really a purpose in you doing that. Like you said, I'm presenting my research. If you're presenting your research and then constantly negating your own research, it it, it kind of makes you I, I look indecisive. And okay, you would they, look like that because you would be. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, well, and it's just like you're basing your update videos off of other leaks, too. So I, I, the veracity, at least from your point of view, should be that these leaks are less uh, reputable than what I've gotten. because Which isn't necessarily what I'm saying. Trust. 
I think a big problem going on right now is people looking at, for instance, I'm pulling up a, one of the ones from video cards, like, oh, look at this core count here, look at this core count here. And it's like, you guys understand that, like, they might choose a, di- like, I know the initial Turing leaks showed, like, uh, seven gigabyte version of the 2070 that was slightly cut down more, but they ended, they elected to not cut down the 2070, but they did elect to cut down the 2080. You know, these are decisions NVIDIA can make whenever before they launch. Like, so uh, none of these should be, what I reported is the performance of a GA102 in a lab and the features it will have. From that, I think that's the best info you can have. And I expect, and, and, and I think I was a little vague in some of the videos, but to be clear, the performance comparisons were to the 2080 Ti. I said to you 102 a couple of times, but that specifically is what I uh, uh, one of the sources was comparing it to. And so if it's 50% better, I think is what I said in one of them, than the 2080 Ti, then maybe 40% than a Titan RTX and rasterization. But then again, we don't know for sure. We don't know yeah. which die was being tested. And again, remember that TU-102 beat Pascal in a couple games like Wolfenstein by like, on average, you know, the 2080 Ti was like 30% or something better than the 1080 Ti at launch. And there were some games like Wolfenstein too, I think, where it was like 50 to 60% better. <laughs> and like even the 2080 Ti crushed the 1080 Ti in that game. So when you see like 80 to 90%, Guys, do yeah. not just look at my upper estimate and think that's what it's going to be. It's not. I think it's going to be between 40 and 60% on average, right? Top versus top. But yeah. I think there will be some games that favor Ampere and it'll just crush Turing in a couple of them. But there will probably be some where it's not even 40%. I, I mean, yeah, when you're switching to new architectures, that always happens. Some games work really well on specific architectures. And yeah, the last thing I have to say is I love all of these speculation on the naming of the card at this point because it's it's all, it makes yeah. it all so much more muddled. Just say we it, it seems like there's three 102 cards that will be released or they're testing. We don't know what they're going to be yet because they haven't said anything though. Yeah, and I just wouldn't draw... See, because there's a lot of people that want me to come to conclusions about, ooh, look, another person on Twitter said 3090. And it's like, yeah, I'm not making any conclusions because they can call it whatever they want. They At the last yeah, exactly. minute, they could go back to 3080 Ti. Uh, I mean, personally, I think they want to call it a 3090 because it now is, at least based on the latest rumors, you know, the sample my source was testing had 12 gigabytes of RAM the whole time. And so they probably want to call it a 3090 because they want to charge more if they can. But also, mm-hmm. they're not sure what to do with the Titan, which there's some really weird info about the Titan. It really looks like they might do some, at least based on a couple sources here. Again, I'm not saying I condone it, but you know, I was told they might hold tensor, what is it, memory compression, which has bandwidth mm-hmm. boot, which has de facto bandwidth and memory capacity boosts. They might only put that on the Titan and then give it slower memory than the 3090, which is a bizarre decision in my opinion. But I don't know what would make them decide to do that, right? I mean, yeah, that was the other thing I guess that sticks out to me in the leaks is the fact that I think most of them suggested that the uh, lower GA102 card um, had faster RAM. I I thought that seemed weird, but I don't know. Maybe they'll go for some weird solution like that. And maybe they'll truly market the Titan this time as a not gaming card. That's the other thing, too. Um, yeah. Because you could you cool. could kind of make that argument with Kepler because it did have 
what do I want to say, uh, higher precision levels uh, actually enabled that were cut out of the lower gaming Keplers. Of course, they just got rid of that with Maxwell and still called it a Titan, but said it wasn't for gaming, <laughs> even though it clearly was. But maybe they'll go back to that. Yeah. All right. Let us move on. Confirmed SK writes in. Remember, if you guys support us on Patreon, you can submit reader mail. Uh, he says, you think AMD plans to make an RX 6950 XT? Uh, and also, how would RDNA 2 handle ray tracing? To be honest, the, the second question is one that's been asked many times. But I mean, when it comes to the name again, well, I mean, let's break this down. I mean, for a while, we were calling Big Navi the 5900, the 5950 yeah. XT, but I think it's been too long for it to be the 5000 series. Honestly, I think it's the 6000 now. Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely. That, that Could I be wrong. That Could be saying, wrong. But. but yeah, and so, and when it comes to 6950 XT versus 6900, most people I've talked to seem to have indications it is 6950 XT. Outside of that, I can't say much else. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any other thing else to add to that. Aside from they seem to be wanting to emulate their naming schemes with uh, CPUs and GPUs now. So maybe it'll, their top card will be a 6950. Yeah, which, which that makes sense, too. And then his other question, though, how will it handle ray tracing? Again, just look at the PS5 trailers that were shown off recently. Uh, it became, it's clear from that, that it's what, and, and Mark Cerny hinted at this. He goes, I've seen games running uh, impressive ray tracing. That's uh, kind of saying more impressive than we've seen already with minimal performance hit. I, I, my impression is that the way RDNA 2 works is designed is to add at least Turing levels of ray tracing with very little performance impact, but probably not to push the boundaries. Like they want to market, remember Battlefield 5? Now we can do it too without a big performance hit and you can turn it on ultra. But I don't think they really intend to push it to higher levels than that. Whereas Ampere seems to be focusing on like really pushing the level yeah. of ray tracing you can do to like ridiculously higher levels. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to add to that. <laughs> that makes sense, though. I mean, like, they're making this yeah. for consoles. They're making APUs. So you don't want to have tensor cores taking up room. Let's just beef up the compute units and add little tweaks here and there per compute unit, is what I was told, at least, with one of my APU leaks, so that everything just has it. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know what else to add besides that. The fact is, RDNA 2 remains very mysterious. <laughs> Again, uh, does, yeah, we won't we won't know for a while, I guess. <laughs> does I mean, I think they've got to announce it within a couple of months. That's suggesting to me that it's either incredibly surprisingly impressive, or this is another Vega situation. <laughs> I think it's one <laughs> or the other, guys. I don't think it's in the middle. Um, all right, let us move on to story number five. Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed again, and this comes from PC Gamer. Cyberpunk 2077 is going to miss its planned September release date. CD Projekt announced today that the game is finished, both content and gameplay-wise, but it wants to make more time for balancing, fixing bugs, and polish. It decided to delay it to November 19th. That's my birthday, by the way. The quests, the cutscenes, the skill, and items, all the adventures Night City has to offer, it's all there. The studio wrote, it's done. But with such an abundance of content and complex systems interweaving with each other, we need to properly go through everything, balance game mechanics, and fix a lot of bugs. A huge world means a huge number of things to iron out, and we will spend the additional time doing exactly that. Honestly, there's a lot of rumors that they delayed it to come out after Ampere's launch. 
I think there's that's possible, actually. Uh, what do you think? Do you, you you're making this uh, cringy face like I just farted at you? I, I don't I, I don't get that move. Like, when has a game game release ever been so tied to a graphics card launch? Well, maybe Nvidia is going to give them a fat sum of money to bundle the game with their cards. I guess. Uh, oh, I and guess this maybe. is the next crisis. I mean, there has to be there has to be some either that or the game has to be completely like really broken or something because November 19th is a terrible date for this game to come out. Yeah. I mean, that's when I was born. So like that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I mean, it, it's coming out probably within weeks, maybe even after the new consoles come out. That's that's weird timing. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess here's here's what the, I'll construct the argument for why they would do it because of NVIDIA. They were supposedly going to launch this early this year to the point that NVIDIA had a 2080 Ti Cyberpunk edition that they canceled for some weird reason, probably because it really did need to be delayed. And also NVIDIA decided they didn't want to market Cyberpunk that heavily with Turing when it wouldn't, when if it would be beaten by RDNA 2. So with the mindset that they've already been forced to change their plans for this, you don't think that they would agree to delay it one month so that they can get a big check from NVIDIA to be bundled with cards as free marketing? I mean, maybe, I guess. But wait, I'm not saying I think that's necessarily true. It's just, I don't know. I think it's worth thinking about. I, I, I could also be wrong that it would really negatively affect sales of the game. I mean, I think... I think it's going to w- run on both the PS5 and Xbox Series X when it comes out. So yeah, people will still buy it. And I they're mean, both going to get the upgraded graphics patches too, which I mean, yeah. thank you. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess it might not be that big of a hindrance to them. And if they got a big check from uh, NVIDIA, yeah, it might be worth it. It's just. I'm not uh, saying that's true. Is... I'm just making devil's argument. It seems like you think that makes absolutely no sense. It's not. Uh, it, it's just. Tie, I've never seen a game so heavily tied to the launch of a graphics card, if that is true. You should go back and look at the 2000s. There were tons of them. Uh, well, <laughs> Gla- uh, I guess we've moved away from that model. Um, well, I mean, uh, if they're getting big checks, I get why they do it. But Well, and you know, let me add on to that. Like, I usually wouldn't cover specific game delays or information. You know, I tend to try to focus on the hardware. You know, we do die shrinks. Um, that sometimes have us go over our favorite games and go through what made them great and stuff like that. Like we did one on Demon Souls. We'll be voting for the next ones. We'll, for that vote, for those who haven't, it'll probably be like Bad Company, I think, and Battlefield Bad Company, and games like uh, Half-Life 2 and Borderlands, maybe. We'll see what you guys want us to do. But anyways, this to me seems like worth talking about in itself because it, I really do think this could be like the next crisis for PC. And, and at least it's launching on new consoles too, so it won't look like complete. It won't run like crap on uh, <laughs> what console gamers have. I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It, the game looks fantastic, um, like visu- from a visual standpoint. Uh, so yeah, I could. I think this is going to be like a big benchmark game forever, and hopefully, it's just also an all-around really good game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm not actually that big of a fan of CD Projekt. I don't dislike them per se, but uh, I think this is one I've got to get just just because the subject matter seems so interesting to me. I love that cyberpunk. I love Deus Ex, and, you know, I guess Keanu Reeves is in it, so he just makes you smile if you see him. 
Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, I think I will end up getting this game, but we'll see. Oh, eventually, I would imagine. So even just to see the graphics. Yeah, I guess that's true. It does look really good. (laughs) All right, story number six. Intel is staging its comeback with the upscaling of 10 nanometer projects as per a key bank analyst. Now, I actually put this in here to tie into a video I had come out because I just think it's interesting that an analyst brought this up. He says, key bank analyst Weston Twig raised the rating for Intel stock today from sector weight to overweight. While explaining that the rationale behind the move, Twig contends that Intel is staging its comeback by leveraging aggressive moves into new products and scaling up production, the much anticipated 10 nanometer products. Um, Yeah, that's one reason I'm covering this because it just coincides with my information I've had for about a year that they will be transitioning much of their 14 nanometer capacity to 10 nanometer at the end of this year. In a resounding endorsement, Twig asserts that Intel is the best positioned company to take advantage of the next wave of compute. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) Beyond PCs, phones, and tablets, despite having lost the competitive edge vis-a-vis AMD. Well, it's not just the competitive edge. They're behind them. But consequently, as per the key bank analysts, a change in investor perspective is due as Intel seeks to change the prevailing calculus. I don't know what I threw this in here just because I thought it was interesting. What What do you think of this story? I Dan? mean, I, I, I don't know. This uh, this isn't a financial advice podcast. Yeah, but... this is not a financial advice. We're just quoting an analyst that seems to say sim- some of the similar things that I've led on to before. I and mean, I'm not yeah, saying I, you I, should buy Intel stock, by the way. <laughs> um, in fact, I, well, I guess I don't give financial advice. I would say maybe don't do that. But <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think Intel's going to be behind for the next couple of years, at least. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll make a big comeback with all their like, all their likes a pretty big uh, swing. It's a, it's a new architecture. We'll see if it hits big or if it's a flop. I don't know. Um, it's good to see that uh, they're definitely moving their uh, manufacturing capacity mostly to 10 nanometer now, or they're going to be. Soon, I don't know if it's most, good. but it'll be a decent amount. And well, they just need to catch up with 14 nanometer demand. Yeah, that's true. Um, I just think that there's some truth to this guy's. Like, I think people are going to, as usual, as humans do, overestimate then massively underestimate as an overcorrection when they shouldn't. The way I see it is, and and this kind of leads us to story number seven, which was my big, you know, leak detailing uh, Ice Lake server, Ice Lake HEDT, Alder Lake, and Sapphire Rapids, um, that I think some of those products look really impressive and should make up some ground that they've lost late next year. So I definitely think that. I agree with him in that regard. But that's over a year from now, ma'am. Like, quarter three is Alder Lake, and Sapphire Rapids is probably at the very end of next year. So with that in mind, I just think you've got to think about it in a way of like, yes, you may be sure Intel is going to go up, but should you really buy it now? Because I just think it's going to be hard for some people to compartmentalize how how much better it will get eventually when they see what happens when Zen 3 comes out. Because I think people are just going to be saying nothing but doom and gloom (laughs) once it's Comet like versus Zen 3. I mean, it it could be just absolutely. And it's going to be. And so even if you know Intel's got stuff coming or you think they do, which I'm not entirely convinced, like, do you think that everyone else will come to that conclusion when Zen 3 is destroying Comet like by a factor of two? I I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I probably like not. why I, buy now? Why not buy after Zen three comes out? Yeah, because well, I, I mean, I don't think 
uh, Intel has a chance of really looking that good until like at least Rocket Lake comes out, which I don't know. That's probably what, 21, right? Yeah. Early 21. Well, let me take the time to do this because I saw that in the comments of my new Intel video, like asking me, oh, why can't you put a big chart and like uh, explain all the code names quickly? And it's because, guys, I put links in the description. You can Google Rocket Lake and look at where it is on their publicly available charts. Like if I spent my video explaining every single thing, it would be a one hour video. And most of my fans remember half of it. You know, and and I and I, I tell you things that I think you need to know, right? Like when I detail Sapphire Rapids info, I'm like Willow Cove, this many cores coming out this year. Why does it matter that I didn't explain? I just told you everything. <laughs> well, yeah, and if you like, yeah, Wikipedia has an, a list of every single product a, uh, Intel has put out. You can you, you can, can look it that. up yourself. I'm not going to literally read Intel's history from Wikipedia to you before doing a video. That's on you. Um, I definitely hear you that it can get confusing. For whatever reason, it's not for me. Maybe it's because it's my job to know this, but I've always had this ability to remember these little names for some reason. I don't know yeah. why. Not just this, but like <laughs> with regards to other stuff too. Like when, like me and Dan, you know, uh, are pretty into like the history of some, you know, firearms. And like for some reason, I can just remember exact model names from like a hundred different ones. And I don't know why. So like I hear you and I'll try to work on it, guys. But it's just like if something pops up and you're like, well, what is that? It's like usually I say right in the video what you need to know. And or I have a pop up that's like, Go watch that other video that explains it. Like, that's why the pop-ups are there. It's not just to get me more views. It's so you can go watch that if you missed it. Well, yeah. And I think, yeah, and the other problem is if you if you say like that brief summary, like I said, like Sapphire Rapids, 10 nanometer Willow Cove cores, like I think that tells you all the information you should be expected to have to say just because if you go more in depth than that, it starts that really starts to get annoying because what then are you listing what came its predecessors or something yeah. like that? I don't know what you're doing. But yeah, but yeah, so by now we're basically into story number seven, which is that leak, yes, yeah. you know? So what, what do you, let me ask Dan, you said you watched it. What did you think of the, and you know, of course I talked with you about it for weeks while I was putting it together. Like, what do you think of that ice Lake, Alder Lake, Sapphire Rapids info? I'm probably going to have trouble being able to say like a lot of specific stuff about it just because it's a long ass video. But I mean, I think a good way to summarize it is just that it seems like Intel is probably going to be half a year behind AMD until Alder Lake and Alder Lake might turn things around for Intel to an extent. It's not going to beat. It's not going to it's not going to outright beat Zen three, though. Oh, I I doubt that. Yeah, it's it's 24 threads versus 32. Yeah, but and they're big. To, it's all big cores with AMD. Yeah, it might be able to hold the gaming crown or something. We'll see. I could but. certainly see that, and I think it's, I think it's probably coming out before Zen Four. Um, uh, I, I and and I, and I could be wrong. I'm not, you know, 100 percent confirming that. There's no way to know for sure, but I do think Zen Four is probably the very tail end, only in server of 2021, as I've covered. And that if in 2021, it might slip to 2022 and that Alder Lake, they really will try to get out in quarter three. That, that's the info I have. And, and just so you guys know, the other crazy thing was that 72 core Sapphire Rapids thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which as far as I can tell is monolithic. I had another source get back to me after the video went live. And he said, oh, yeah, as far as I'm aware, just to confirm, 
It's monolithic. Well, so, that's a fucking massive monolithic die then. Right. And, and that just, and, and, and it might not be, I, I really think they could split out like the PCH or like the IO controller and they might do like 36 plus 36. Um, they could do that two different chiplets, but I just like how everyone says, as far as I'm aware, because all of my sources say it seems to be monolithic, but no one wants to confirm it. Cause that sounds fucking insane <laughs> to try to make a 72 core, especially on 10 nanometer. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that could work, but like in the video, uh, you said they're having problems with their <laughs> yeah. So mesh, that tells right? you, well, they're having trouble getting the seventy-two core to have any decent yields. So that it'll probably just be limited to fifty-six. Which again, if it gets out before Zen four, they'll do a huge marketing heyday. Oh, it's got HBM and fifty-six cores <laughs> and higher IPC than Zen three. You know, right before Zen four drops and probably makes it a non-factor. I, I do. I do think it will be a better situation though. Um, Sapphire Rapids versus, you know, which is Intel server yeah. versus uh, Zen 4 uh, server than it was right now, which right now it's just a complete joke. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous how much worse Intel server chips are right now. Well, yeah. Oh, and that was another thing you said in the video, which I forgot about. It, you said uh, Sapphire Rapids was going to have what, like HBM cache possibly or something like that? Yeah, and or... one of my sources, which is, again, guys, it's like, and I made this clear in the video too, this is not an Intel hype video. One of my sources is someone who gave me the Matisse 2 info before, you know, months before it came out. So this is someone who really, you know, and there's a few other people I can't, I'm not even allowed to show snapshots from. <laughs> um, this was my most comprehensive, you know, Intel leak ever. So, you know, well, I... I'd be sad if some of it turned out to not be true or didn't, you know, pan out. But I mean, if I'm being honest, object, like if I just take a step back and remove my worry that I get something wrong, technically, this is the most sources I've ever had on a leak. And I mean, I will say this: you, for Intel leaks, especially, it seems like you've gotten a pretty good track record for. So, yeah, I've got a few. I, uh, you know, I've got a few sources that, and I think some of it comes from the fact that I don't just constantly shit on Intel. Although in the WCCF tech comments, they call me AMD fanboy, even though I'm like the only one saying anything that isn't completely slamming Intel right now, I feel like sometimes. But it's just like, I just call it how I see it, you know, like Rocket Lake, which for those, you know, that's what comes after Comet Lake on 14 anime. I just think it's going to be terrible. I do. <laughs> I think it's going to be a 150 <laughs> watt, eight core Zen 3 versus a 16 Core Zen 3 that's using, you know, 100 watts. Like, I just think it's terrible. I think it's not going to be good at all. Especially because it should come out like a quarter afterwards. But maybe it will hold that coveted DIY gaming crown. Yeah. Well, I don't know much else. I mean, I I don't know that it will. That's the thing that's so sad. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But uh, that's the last thing I'll say is I thought it was interesting that uh, one source said Intel uh, Ice Lake server, I mean, HEDT is coming, Ice Lake X. So mm. cut down versions of the 36 core that will go to server. So a 10 nanometer monolithic die that might have like 32 cores and Zen 2 IPC uh, with lower latency. I don't know. I, I actually think that might be decent competition. Uh, although Zen 3 will probably, HEDT will probably be out before that. But if a good launch yeah. before Zen 3, eh, it, it, it's still though, it won't have the same core counts as like 64 core Zen. But I could see it actually competing Far better 32 core Ice Lake versus yeah, yeah. Zen 3 Threadripper than 
the laughable 28 core Cascade Lake X versus Zen 2. I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and there's another product that I think might be good, which brings us to story number eight. So Intel Tiger Lake U CPU speeds past R7 Renoir in graphics benchmarks. And I've got two sources here, one from Tom's Hardware, one from TechSpot, and I'm summarizing one of them. And the test, the Core i7-1165G7, God, those horrible names, chip blasted <laughs> to a physics score of 11,879 points in 3D Mark, along with an impressive graphics score of 6,912. For comparison, Rogame noted that the, 40, the R7-4800U puts out Puts down 11,917 points in the physics score. So that's like, you know, that's an eight-core 16-thread 4,800U. That's slightly better than the quad-core Tiger Lake, which is practically identical, but lags behind in graphics at 6,100 points. So yeah, it loses by like 10% in graphics. So that's that's pretty interesting. And other leaks coming out show top Tiger Lake should be about 20% better in GPU performance than top Renoir. And of course, top... Renoir with eight cores, like the 4900HS, of course, should beat top yeah. Tiger Lake and CPU performance by like 30 to 50%. But, you know, it's not doubling its performance because Tiger Lake does seem to have some decent IPC increases over Ice Lake. So I don't know. What do you think about this uh, Tiger Lake information coming out? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty in line with ex- uh, our expectations of what Tiger Lake was, but Tiger Lake looks like it's turning out to be a pretty good little architecture for uh for uh what like why can't i think ultra book laptops and stuff like that yeah it should Um, come out in about a month too i believe tiger lake is a weird thing because every time i hear that it's not out i'm like how is it not out yet i keep hearing stuff about tiger lake (laughs) but well it was supposed to come out at the end of this year but they're pushing it up because they know they need it now they didn't expect renoir to be this competitive Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. It's good to see that both of them are competitive. Uh, I don't think I have too much more to add to that, though. The thing is, I would still probably go with a Renoir system, um, depending on what it is. Like, So if you're making a super thin, compact APU laptop with no discrete, I think for sure I choose Tiger Lake probably over Renoir and something that would be maybe a little smaller than my uh, HP NV13T, which is like a little smaller than a MacBook Air. Like you get a little smaller than that. I feel like that's a niche Tiger Lake will dominate because it's at, you know, 15 to 28 watts. It should perform 10 to 20% better in graphics. And notice that, yes, the 4900HS, which is a 35 watt APU, beats Tiger Lake quad core by like 35%. But if you compare it to the 15 watt version, Tiger Lake's almost the same CPU performance. So I do think that's the niche where Tiger Lake will dominate. Um, But then if you go to something a little bigger than my laptop, even just with an APU, it's going to be cheaper. The super cheap laptops with Renoir will be way more cost effective. Intel needs to get that 8-core Tiger Lake out now, which I will say 8-core Tiger Lake laptops, maybe with a 3060 or a 6700M. Those would be some pretty killer efficient gaming laptops.
For my new benchmarking station, I did use a legitimate key of Windows 10 Professional, and that's because it's just not expensive if you go to CDK Offers. They did sponsor me to say this, but I used their website, and it works well. They have great customer support, and if you use offer code BROKENSILICON, you'll get 25% off Windows software, and Dyshrink gets you 3% off all software on the website including game codes i will reiterate it was really easy for me to actually set up an account on this website search for windows buy the code using whatever payment method i wanted and they do have several options and then i simply got sent the authentic key and downloaded windows 10 from microsoft's website save yourself some money to get more bones for your dog and don't stress yourself out using illegitimate keys these are real keys and they did sponsor this part of the video so one more time that's cdkoffers.com use dyshrink for three percent off all software on the website including steam games and broken silicon for 25 percent off software all right now let's get to the benchmarking All right, so moving on to story number nine. Amy confirms Vermeer Zen 3 is not delayed and will launch in 2020 to consumers. Also, Matisse 2 is out. I just kind of threw that in there because I don't have much to say about it. But yeah, so that was funny. <laughs> how like that news that maybe Zen 3 is getting delayed popped up right when me and not an Apple fan started recording. And I don't remember exactly what I said, to be honest, right? But I think I said, well, if that is, it makes sense why they would do this. Um but I still wouldn't, I think I said, I still wouldn't rule out it coming out whenever they want it to. Because frankly, I think it could yeah. be out now if they were willing to have buggy drivers again. They just have no need to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, I, what I would say is, I, I feel like all those rumors, they were kind of based on the fact that Matisse 2 is a thing, right? Which, well, and a DigiTimes leak, but DigiTimes oh, also yeah. leaked 5 nanometer Zen 3, which AMD just openly said no. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that that angle of it, at least the uh, Matisse 2, it's pretty obvious that the reasoning behind that is they wanted to keep pricing at the same price point for their products. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel like there was any really strong credence that Zen 3 wouldn't come out this year. It just seemed like people people just continue to not be able to believe it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which again, um, it, it, which if it's near the end of this year. That's a year and a half about after when Zen 2 came out and they're not doing as crazy things as they did with Zen 2. So I just don't, I've never understood why it seems so unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I mean, what what are the big uh, expectations for Zen 3 this time around? Are, like 20% it... higher IPC, slightly higher clock speeds. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, that's about it. So, you know, and probably maybe lower power usage in certain scenarios on server, you might get other higher IPC increases, you know, for specific tasks. But yeah, it's more more of a standard upgrade than what we've grown to expect, I guess, from a Zen 2 and, uh, I don't know, the first launch of Zen. I mean, but Zen Plus even wasn't that big of a... It's like a 10% bump. Yeah, Zen Plus. At I mean, most. Maybe it's just every other is a, big, uh, is a big launch for them, and this is their smaller launch this time around. Yeah, as I've said, in between Zen Plus and Zen 2, which means still a pretty big performance increase. Yeah. Especially when they're already on top. (laughs) Blokes writes in. Well, let me wait. Before I move on to the reader mail, do you have anything else to say about Matisse 2? Like it came out. It's like 4% better. Woo. 
Well, no, I think I summarized what I think pretty well. It's a, clearly a move to so they can keep their uh, their CPUs at the same price point. So the 3900X, yeah. they didn't want to drop it to $400. So now the 3900XT is 500 that's, Yeah, That's the entire reasoning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Blokes writes in, PBO seems to act more or less the same, same frequency as voltages for a given task at a given cooling power level across the entire Matisse 1 lineup, regardless of whether you have a 3600 or a 3950X. The only perceivable difference people seem to observe is that one CPU is harder to cool than another, thus getting different frequency voltage with the same cooling setup. Um, what turned out to not be Matisse 2, the 3300X and 3100, apparently do not require an updated AGISA version to support them. Unsurprisingly, they just act like any other Matisse processor. Now I'm looking at a funny tidbit of news. MSI releases latest AGISA BIOS updates enabling Ryzen 3000 XT processor support. So if the XTs require new AGISA to support them, that means there has to be something different about them than just a speed refresh. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're on N7P instead of N7. Um, maybe, right? And maybe there are some slight tweaks in there. Right, I don't know. AMD yeah. has a tendency to add slight little tweaks every time they release a new product. They don't tend to get as lazy as Intel has with their Skylake refreshes. I think Blokes is very good at digging into this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. think you've had a few posts like this before by now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. And a lot of people are saying that as much as Matisse 2 doesn't seem like this gigantic thing, there's still enough evidence that it's more than just, you know a 4% better thing. I guess ultimately we will find out when they come out in like, I think under a month from now. But I don't know. It will be interesting if like, because at stock, I don't know that they can just do a higher FCLK clock. I think they might just have to emphasize in reviews, hey, try clocking it to 2.1 gigahertz <laughs> with the FCLK and see if it takes the gaming performance crown. And it might just have to be one of those unofficial things that overclockers do across the board when they buy it. Um, I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, because what was it? Most of the most of the boost clocks go beyond, or what? It's like four point seven gigahertz now for the thirty nine hundred XT. I think so. Is, it's around there, yeah. Which that's like, isn't that a hundred megahertz past the point of like no returns on uh, higher clocks with the FCLK? Well, and people point current. out that on with N7P, that fifth, you know, that ten to fifteen percent better version of N7 from TSMC, like that would apply to everything on there. So that means the FCLK yeah. should be able to, if it's made on that, just be clocked ten percent higher. Which means overclocking this, you know, if mine maxes out at nineteen hundred megahertz, yeah, you should be able to get to about twenty one hundred. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and if you can, I think there's. You know, I think it's. I think uh, people are a little disappointed in the max boost clocks and the base clocks don't seem to go up with most of them. But what really will matter is at stock settings, what does it typically run at? Because typically, yeah. Matisse One runs at like 4.2 gigahertz. If this typically runs at 4.5 and you can up the FCLK to, you know, even just 2 or 2.1 gigahertz, that should be enough to match Comet Lake in gaming. Um, yeah, so maybe it's a secretly bigger update than what it seems to be. <laughs> well, and at least I would hope it is, because otherwise it is almost like, why are you releasing this AMD if it's not going to at I, least tie Top Comet like? I mean, I was looking at it. It is kind of funny, like the max boost clocks are like 100 megahertz higher. And yeah, it's it's a little funny how tiny of an upgrade it seems to be. Yeah. 
Well, let us move on to story number 10. TSMC planning a four nanometer node that goes live in 2023. Quoting from Tech Power Up, TSMC is reportedly planning a stopgap between its five nanometer class silicon fabrication nodes and the three nanometer class called N4. According to the Foundry CEO, Leo Dian, speaking at a shareholder meeting, N4 will be a four nanometer node in an enhancement of N5P, the company's most advanced five nanometer class node, and four slated for mass production of contracted products in 2023 could help TSMC's customers execute their product Romex of the time. From the looks of it, N4 is a repeat of the N6 story. A nodalit that's an enhancement of N7 Plus, the company's most advanced seven nanometer class node that leverages EUV technology. I guess one thing I'll just add right out of the gate is it will be funny if Intel gets seven nanometer Right. I do think Intel will get seven nanometer working in 2022, but just look at this. If they don't get it working until 2023, they're not competing with five nanometer plus from AMD. They're, they could be competing with four nanometer, like Zen 5 or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting. So the, uh, this N4 process, though, seems to be a stopgap. So do you think that could be as a result of like, I think they said three nanometers is going to end up being delayed a little, right? Due to COVID. Yeah, so this is likely a result of COVID probably. (laughs) Yeah. Story number 11. TSMC accelerates two nanometer semiconductor node R&D. Quoting again, the three nanometer node is going into trial production in the first half of 2021. Well, the mass production is expected to commence in 2022. As far as the two nanometer node, TSMC recently purchased more expensive extreme ultralight lithography machines for the two nanometer node. Due to the high cost of these EUV machines, TSMC's capital spending will not be revisited this year, and it should remain in the 16 billion range. As far as a timeline for two nanometer is concerned, we don't know when will TSMC start trial production as the node is still in a development phase. And so, yeah, I mean, let's just, they will be doing, you know, some trial runs though of, let's see, three nanometer in 2021 and two nanometers should start going into like early test production in 2022. So yeah, it seems like four nanometers kind of there if three nanometer doesn't ramp up in time. Yeah. Um, And again, I think this has been touched on by me and I think people like Cortex before too, like where it's like expect to see AMD products on all different types of nodes over the next few years. Um, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting point. TSMC is moving forward, is moving through nodes so fast, it's almost hard to keep track of them at this point. Um, I mean, I have no doubt that they'll meet these timelines because they seem to be really in a really, really uh, good state right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number 12. Aging problems at five nanometer and below. I just thought this was an interesting article that I think someone sent to me from semiengineering.com. I'm just going to quote the interesting part here. It goes, as we go down into these more advanced nodes, the number of issues you have to deal with increases, of course. Uh, The ways of dealing with it in the past are no longer viable. Until recently, designers very conservatively dealt with the aging problem by over-design, leaving plenty of margin on the table, says Ahmed Ramadan, senior product engineering manager for mentor a Siemens business. However, while pushing designs to the limit is not only needed for achieving a competitive advantage, it is also needed to fulfill new applications requirements given the diminishing transistor scaling benefits. In other words, saying there's less and less margin for error as we get smaller. And so 
You know, like I still have like 40 nanometer processors, 45 nanometer processors that have zero issues running. They're saying that the uh, voltage degree, the silicon degradation is getting to be more and more of an issue. He goes, well, new phenomena are being discovered. The old ones continue to get worse. The drivers of aging, such as temperature and electronical stress, have not really changed, says Andre Lange, group manager uh, at, oh boy, Fraunhofer IIS. Engineering of advanced uh, minimum safety margins are required to realize advanced functionality requirements. This makes this makes them more susceptible to reliability issues caused by self-eating and increasing field strength. So again, there's a lot of jargon there, but it is interesting how they're saying, you know, the usual safety margins aren't really working. You're not getting the performance benefits we want out of these nodes if you use the same safety margins as before, and yet the problems are getting worse and worse with the silicon degradation. So I don't know, more and more they may use, I think, I really do think like five nanometers, the last big giant performance increase node for a while. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do because like we've said this before, they, I think they are starting to uh, get at least close to the like theoretical limits of what you can make a transistor uh, with silicon. So they're going to need to start going to more creative solutions eventually than just continually shrinking their nodes. We've brought up 3D stacking a bunch of times, but like this article also mentioned the drawbacks of 3D stacking, which is heating. It's the same things, yeah. Yeah, and heat is a bigger and bigger issue as you get the smaller and smaller nodes. Um, I mean, I guess the the workaround of that is smarter, thermal design right <laughs> yeah and really expensive like printing of like 3d copper yeah. pipes in between I layers <laughs> of 3d stacking which you can't tell me there's not going to be some teething issues with that when they first try it right <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i guess the other thing that makes me worried is maybe um at some point they're just going to have to say like maybe consumer electronics are just going to break more often at smaller nodes. I don't know. That seems to be what they're saying. Yeah. Cause people always go, Oh my, you know, my PCs, there's something wrong with it. What broke? And it's like, well, you can usually tell easily if it's the power supply, depending on how it broke. But after that, it's like, if you can't really tell, I just say motherboard, motherboards break. I never really expect AMD or Intel processors to break. They've almost, they've never, sometimes graphics cards break. Don't get me wrong, especially in laptops, but I've never really had an Intel or AMD processor break that wasn't the result of me doing something dumb with it like ever and this might change this might be that thing where you have to get a new phone every few years because it literally will brick eventually yeah that and exactly and that's what i think might just end up happening i mean i hope not i hope they can find ways to mitigate the (laughs) new issues and the issues that get worse as you shrink down nodes but i don't know there is there is a physical limit to everything eventually so yeah VI Pass writes in, he says, Tom slash Dan, what will slash would you base your console system purchasing on? Specs, games, exclusives, features, VR, crossplay, game licensing, game purchase, uh, going across multiple platforms of ownership, backwards compatibility, price. Well, the first thing I will say is I don't need my games on multiple platforms. I have a PC. I mostly game on PC. I, I, don't, I couldn't give less of a shit if something I buy on a console also goes on my PC. I would have just bought it on PC probably then. Um, but I don't know. How would you answer this, Dan? I mean, I guess the best way I would put it right now is um, uh, like what it, based on what it gives me beyond what I have on PC because it's my pro Right. So it's like, 
games. I mean, yeah, so mostly I guess I'm basing it at this point on exclusives. If the market changes in the future, it'll change to something else. Maybe I just won't get consoles if uh, at a certain point, depending on how the market changes. I mean, you mean if exclusives become more and more a thing of the past? Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, right now I'm going to be getting the PS5, but that's just because that's where the games that I want to play are. I, I don't see a point in getting an Xbox Series X over a PC unless I need that you already have. Yeah, unless <laughs> uh, unless I needed some multimedia thing, and for some reason I didn't want to get a PS5, which once again, <laughs> the PS5 is what I want to get. Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Um, I mean, just kind of going down the list, let's see, specs. I don't really like the term specs because I think it's the overall package. It's worth emphasizing. It's what is this going to do? Not even just console, anything. If I'm going to buy something new, what is it going to do that the stuff I already have, which I'm an American, I have tons of shit, (laughs) the stuff I already have doesn't do, right? What is this going to do that the stuff I had in the past doesn't do? And if like the argument is, I think, kind of to articulate what I think you were saying is, oh, it beats my PC by 30%. Yeah, I don't care. Um, I'll play the same games and have plenty of fun on PC. I want new experiences. Exactly. You know, and and that's what would make me get it. Um, And then when it comes to price, well, I mean, look, I suppose there is a certain price where I won't get it, but really what it comes down to is when do I have to have it for a specific thing? Yeah, exactly. And then the price just augments how aggressive I am in buying it. The PS5, for example, was $400. I don't know that there's much hesitation as long as it has an exclusive I want, but I still wouldn't just get it. Like, well, yeah, I need a I, game on there I want to play. You I, know? I mean, it's like uh, like the Switch. So the Switch has some cool features, uh, it has a cool design and everything, but the fact of the matter is, there just really isn't that much on like the Switch that I want to play, and that's why I... That you want to play, maybe someone else does, but you know. And I mean, Switch I might get at some point just because to play shit with friends, but that that would be if... I it is it really good for cheap. playing with friends. Yeah, um, but yeah, other than that, um, I don't know, it's hard to say what makes what makes me decide to buy a console, it's mostly yeah it's just based on what experiences can this give me that a pc doesn't have and from my perspective at this point the ps5 has experiences and things i can do that i can't do with my pc and at this point in time the xbox series x hasn't really offered anything that my pc can't do i mean aside from playing games better well which is still, well, and, and I guess to piggyback on that, though, too, is that also goes for graphics cards. Again, it's not about consoles. It's about anything I buy. What will this do I couldn't do before? And before, when I went from, say, a 6950 to a 7970, oh, the experience in some games was drastically different. But yeah. frankly, since the, I, I basically just got the 39. A, th- a 390X eventually because my 7970 was breaking and <laughs> that's it. I mean, after the 390X, I've only gotten new cards um, because I saved money trading. <laughs> like, like literally I going to the Fury from a 390X. I don't know. I went from a, I made money selling the 390X right before the 480 came out. Got that. It broke, got a refund, got a Fury. Got a 20% performance boost, and I gamed in 1080p, so the extra RAM didn't matter to me. You know, and all of that was me not really losing any money. I went from a 390X to a 480 
to a Fury Nitro uh, without spending a dime net. So, and after that, I can't say I've gotten any graphics card because I, I needed it. I got it to mine or render. Yeah. That's why I got Vega 64. That's why I got a Radeon 7. It wasn't for gaming. If it wasn't for the things I do besides gaming, I would probably still have a Fury Nitro. And like, what are you going to get now that gives you any new experience? Now, I'm hoping Ampere and RDNA 2 bring such massive performance gains and new feature sets that it will feel like there's new things you can do, which is why I think they want to market Cyberpunk next to Ampere so much. It might be that ray tracing showcase NVIDIA finally needs. But I just think that's how people should think about it. It's like, oh, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. Well, do you need to get anything? You know, I, I mean, if you're not going to play yeah. that, you know, if you already can play the games on your Vega 56 PC, I'm really confused why you need to go spend even more money on something that's, you know, I don't know, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so that's how I think of it. When it comes to other things like VR, I don't know. I mean, PSVR 2 isn't out. I got a PSVR 1 for like 100 bucks on Black Friday <laughs> in like 2018 from Amazon or Cyber Monday or whatever it's called, right? Um, and um, game licensing, again, yeah, I don't know what to think about any of that. Backwards compatibility is, again, kind of a cherry on top. It's, again, backwards compatibility is one of those things in a console like pricing where it makes me want to get it a little sooner. It's kind of like if I'm thinking about it, it tips me over the edge because then I can also play my old games and they'll run better on the new system. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's exactly. not making me get it, really. Backwards compatibility isn't the reason I get it. No, it's not. It's just a, it's a nice feature to have. So moving on to story number 13, which is another mashup, which a lot of the things in this, that's why I make it like connecting the dots was the name of this episode, because it's all just all of these torrents of leaks. And this is an Xbox mashup, you know, because uh, there's been a lot of Xbox and actually some PS5 leaks as well. And I just thought, I don't really have that much to say specifically, Dan. I jotted down a bunch of thoughts about Xbox and PlayStation 5. I already did a live stream talking about the PlayStation 5, and I talked about it with non-Apple fans. I don't really have anything. I'm actually kind of tired of talking about PlayStation, to be honest with you. But like, out of all the links I put here, was there any of them about Xbox or PlayStation, I guess, that you want to discuss? Uh, yeah, so we talked, there was this one that you put in talking about like, from WCCF uh, Tech. Yeah, about Microsoft pushing their event to August. And as far as I can tell, it's just based off of some guy posting what he calls as like a set list for the list of live streams that are being coordinated this summer. And he's saying that they're pushing it to August to let Sony go first. That doesn't I make mean, any I, sense to me, by the way, just objectively. Why would they? I think Xbox should do everything as soon as possible to be competitive. I don't understand. I mean, maybe. I, I, I don't think there's much credence to the story. It seems like they stretched out a, a tweet into an entire news story that doesn't look like it will add up to anything. And Microsoft go, waiting until August to really talk about their games again would be kind of insane. That's like two months before the thing might come out. Yeah, the, I, I put that in there specifically and I highlighted it just because I didn't have time to look into it and I wanted you to check it. And my gut uh, response was, this doesn't really make any sense. And it seems like you think this is horribly researched, too. I don't know. I don't know why WCCF Tech runs some of this crap. It's I, like I they, they ignore my, and, and, and I'm just speaking, and not just me, but they'll ignore some of my Ampere or Intel info. And they'll ignore tons of things from Adored as an example of someone else who's not me. And then they'll just run with this bullshit tweet. Like, uh, they, uh, 
It has to be based on what they think will get clicks, I guess. But yeah, I guess. Otherwise, I, I mean, it's just know, madness. I know Sony and Microsoft are both trying to get the other to go first, but one of them is going to have to go at some point, and I think both of them are going to have to reveal their prices in July. If they haven't really revealed by then, it's oh, getting a little. Down it's getting absurd. Yeah, I, and I think. Oh, yeah, we and you were talking about this. We were actually playing Far Cry New Dawn, which was, meh, it's okay, co-op. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, I was talking about how I think at this point, Xbox needs to shit or get off the pot. Like, yeah. because no matter what happens, I think it's clear Sony's going with a digital-only version, so they have flexibility on their bottom price for to be competitive. But if Xbox is going to be as aggressive as some people are hinting, and there was this one interesting rumor, just to bring everyone up to speed here, that Xbox was considering launching a $400 Series X, the one we've been showing off all this time, you know, uh, the 12 teraflop one. And then they'd have some like 1080p focused version, basically Mm -hmm. an Xbox One X with a Xbox Series X CPU and SSD so they could sell it for, you know, with way, way cheaper cooling, packaging, everything. And then it would be like a, you know, half as much to make, but that they might sell that all the way down as a digital only 1080p or even 1440p version for like 200 bucks. Like if that rumor (laughs) is true, $400 Xbox Series X, $200 Xbox digital or whatever the hell they'll call it. I don't know what they would call it. If they're actually going to be that aggressive, I see no point in them waiting. Because, like, like do it then. Like, because no, there's no way that won't be competitive pricing. So do it. Well, yeah. And if that, if that is at all true, yeah, that would be, they, they would look good no matter what Sony launched their console at. Right. Like, unless they announced it later, which is what I said while we were gaming. That is something I was thinking about. If they really let Sony announce price first and Sony was like, which I don't know, like my bill materials is that digital version is probably like 420 bucks to make. Really, I think it is. Yeah, probably. And they lock you into a digital store. And usually the way Sony thinks about it, I've heard from meetings is like, how many games do they have to buy before we break even on a console? Because they're not going to buy this and then not get a game. So it's digital. We get an even higher profit. So the way they would think about it is maybe subtract 60 bucks for the digital version since there's nothing lost on a disc. Okay, well, what's 420 minus 60? 360? I think Sony might be willing to go down to 350 for the digital version. They might if they had to. And if they did and then Xbox announces a weaker version later that's cheaper, they'll go, ah, so that's how Xbox is competing. But if Xbox announces a super cheap version first and then Sony announces 350, it looks like Sony's like, responding to Xbox. I think Xbox looks better if they announce their price first. And also, Sony's kind of in charge of the market, so they should announce it first. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, That's my I opinion, I, right? I'm just thinking about this stuff. I mean, I, I think this annoying game they're playing is it's getting kind of old. Both of you guys just need to fucking announce your prices at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think what Sony wants to do is 500 and 400 or if yeah. or if Xbox only launches one version at 500, which is a possibility, I get the impression Sony wants to do 450 and 550. That's the feeling I have at this point. But what about $900, Tom? <laughs> oh shit, in Norway or something Amazon listed it for 900 Klergsmans. That's what those money yeah. that's what money's called in Norway, right? 
For my Norwegian yeah. listeners, which I do know there are Norwegian listeners. That was a joke. I'm just kidding. Was it Kronas? Is that what those, they're called? I don't know, Tom. Whatever your silly Monopoly money is over there. Uh, <laughs> I kid, I kid. But no, I mean, yeah, that's my impression that they want to do 450 and 550 or 400 and 500. And they're hoping Xbox announces it at 500. But if Xbox really has a cheaper version, and again, like I think Xbox, look, dude, you kind of screwed up last gen. The ball's in your court to be aggressive this time if you really want yeah. to win. But at some point, Xbox just has to go wholeheartedly into a generation aggressively and stay aggressive the whole generation without massive problems like, you know, Red Ring of Death or drying up of exclusives at the end. Or it's just, this is a competitive market. It's like the automotive industry. This is crazy competitive. You just got to go all out. And I think if they actually had a digital version, which I want to be clear, I've talked to a couple of people that I trust their information on. No one's sure they have a smaller version, just to be clear. I'm, I'm sure they tested one, though, from info I received. But I do not have any info recently that they're really going to go ahead with it. So let's be very clear. They might not have one. Yeah. I mean, the only other things I'll add is this. They officially confirmed that they will be using Xbox Series X APUs for streaming four instances of 1080p gaming at once. And I just want to point Whoa. that out. I said this. When people say, oh, well, if the PlayStation and Xbox, according to you, Tom, perform about the same, why would Xbox use a bigger die and blah, blah? Because they need it to also be a streaming chip. <laughs> it's a server cluster APU that's doubling into consoles for multiple reasons, you know, to save, save money. And in case that doesn't sell well, they just still have this cloud streaming APU they can repurpose into their servers. And it'll probably be better than Stadia. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it will be. It's already been beta better, apparently. But yeah, so so like for those wondering, like if the PlayStation 5 and Xbox really do have about the same performance, but let's say the PlayStation has 10% smaller die size, which I'm, I'm not sure for the higher clock speeds. It might not be as much smaller as you'd think, by the way. Um, why would they do that? Well, because they also plan to double it as a server APU, and Sony does not intend to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty obvious explanation of why they might be a discrepancy. In the, yeah, because the, uh, they'll pay more because they're not just going to use it in their console. Um, exactly. And, and so I guess uh, outside of that, let me see here. Is there anything else? Oh, yeah, I do want to add that I do have a source saying that Xbox has some pretty, ex uh, uh, pretty impressive stuff they want to show off in July, by the way, not August. So... Um, and I've also been told that Sony's planning to do a surprise event right next to Xbox again with more stuff as well. <laughs> so I really think July is going to be, which is what, you know, a week or two from now, we should have some another torrent of PlayStation and Xbox info. <laughs> and I, I'm hoping to do a big behind the scenes video eventually, but I want to wait for more info to come out before I do it. Um, all right. So that's yeah. that story. I do have something else to add at the last minute, though. And that's I was in a AMD press briefing today as of this recording around lunchtime and I submitted some questions and one of them actually uh, got answered by AMD. And so I'm going to read this here. So I said, I tried to come up with a sneaky way of asking 
if the next gen consoles have stuff besides RDNA 2. And I, my question specifically <laughs> was this to the AMD, AMD rep. Can you speak to some of the specifics as to what makes Sony or MS elect to call their console architecture RDNA 2? I have been told that PS5 may share some parts of its geometry engine from what might go into later RDNA desktop architectures. So I asked it that way, hoping he would say something about, yes, indeed, the consoles. Either one, PS5 or Xbox have a later RDNA architecture and here the recording of that. Uh, I probably wouldn't and uh, shouldn't. Uh, oh, those okay. type of uh, <laughs> uh, questions are probably best answered by the partner. Uh, right. it, it's a very uh, complex process uh, as you can imagine and uh, they are the uh, experts uh, in how they are uh, thinking about the market and gamers and the console gamers, uh, they do work with, closely with our engineering team. Uh, they would be probably the best to answer the questions about the, their specific product. Okay. And so that was probably hard to understand, right? But I'll re, I wrote down what he said. And there's a multiple of reasons why the recording wasn't very good, but he said, she, the, the, the operator started to ask the question. He tries to cut her off, which I don't think comes out well in the recording. But when I was listening to it live with better sound quality, she goes, uh, so this next question goes, oh, no, no, no. And then she starts reading it. And he's like, oh, okay. God. And then he goes, and so she reads my question, but she doesn't read the second part about the PS5 geometry engine. I'm sure on purpose because they don't want to <laughs> literally call attention to that. And then he goes, uh... This is an AMD rep. I probably wouldn't and shouldn't. These questions are best for our partners as to why they would choose to call it RDNA 2. They are the experts on how they choose to market it to gamers. They work closely with our engineering team on these designs, and they should answer that question. I thought it was interesting he didn't say because it is RDNA 2. I mean, yeah, it, he, he's definitely trying to say as little as possible while still answering the question. Which I'm not confirming the PlayStation 5 definitely has the geometry engine from what should yeah. go into RDNA 3. But I have had someone uh, that I think is pretty re reliable tell me that. And I've received information about tweaked variable rate shading in both the Xbox and PlayStation that should go into RDNA 3. And specifically some VR architecture tweaks to the PS5, which the Xbox doesn't need because they don't plan to support VR. At least as of yeah. now. Well, and I mean, if we go like to statements Mark Cerny said, like if <laughs> if uh, our co-development together was successful in their t in uh, from their perspective, you might see some of their features on future AMD products. Or I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting. Which response. which let me cut in though. I, the the video I'm working on for behind the scenes with Xbox and PlayStation's relationship with AMD, a lot of it might center around that interesting comment from Mark Cerny. By the way, <laughs> but go on, Dan. What were you saying? Uh, no, I mean, no, that's about that's most of what I had to say. I mean, I don't know how much you can really you can really mm. uh, ascertain from his response because one could even say that that might to then suggest that some of the features of RDNA 2 won't be in the PS5 or Xbox Series X because it's not like he said it goes beyond uh, X. 
On yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. So the way though that was explained to me by one source though is it's like if Xbox chose to not have it, it's because they thought they didn't need it or they weren't aware yeah. of it. But they would have certainly been aware of stuff in RDNA two. Like if there's something in RDNA two that the Xbox or the PlayStation don't have, it's probably compute stuff for server guys. Like they're yeah, gonna probably. save as much. And I mean, look at the Xbox Series X. Look at its performance in three sixty millimeter squared. Yeah, they probably stripped out some things they don't need. Like, <laughs> they, well, I mean, so yeah. when you say, yeah, "Oh, that's... it's lacking some features of RDNA 2, well, it's because they don't need it. All right, first of all, now what comes after it in RDNA three or four? I don't know. That's, and I'm not confirming either console has that. It's just something that's been suggested to me a couple times by sources, and I just can't get the info that I feel is required to run with <laughs> some information that insane. But I mean, man, the way AMD answered that question, I thought was fascinating. Don't you? <laughs> it's pretty funny to I me. I mean, yeah, yeah. Ivan Coley Baby UK says, "Do you think SSDs will make it possible in games to create real dynamic rain in a horror game, for example?" Um, yes, I think. I don't know what you mean by real dynamic rain. If you mean by actual each individual particle effects, you know, I mean, we kind of so saw what? the start of that with like RDNA. I mean, not RDNA, um, uh, like kind of that Unreal Engine, like those advanced particle effects. Although some people said it actually wasn't as impressive as they were making it out. Um, yeah, I don't know how the SSD directly relates to that, to be honest. I think what we're looking at in next gen architectures is going to enable not just graphics. Like real graphics, not like these faked pre-rendered fires and stuff, but like real dynamic, real truly dynamic fires and like uh, particle and liquid physics that we haven't been able to do before. Yeah, um, I, I, I was wondering if you had any like thoughts on how like specifically that like dynamic rain would be improved on the uh, SSD uh, from streaming an assets off the SSD. And I couldn't quite figure out exactly how that would work. When it comes Um, to the consoles leveraging next-gen SSDs, I just think I would say it's going to help everything at least a little bit. I mean, yeah, probably. I'm also not a genius in this, so maybe... You're you're no Mark Cerny. No, I'm not. You're not a reanimated doll. (laughs) (laughs) Josh Goetz writes in, and he says, with constant news about the new substantial PC gaming tech around the corner in many areas such as SSDs, GPUs, CPUs, monitors, are there any components to a PC gaming setup that you think are worthwhile investment that won't just be updated in a year or two? No. Power supplies? Oh, yeah, power supplies. Yeah, sure. <laughs> power supplies and cases. I invested I mean, in a really nice case a, a year ago because I was like, if, if I'm going to have a really expensive PC, I want this steel siding so that this thing won't freaking break uh and it's you know it's crazy crazy well built like i think i could like hit it with a hammer and nothing would happen to any of the components in there but besides that in a power supply no i don't i mean yeah i don't know how long it's going to take for things to stagnate again but i i don't know everything is going to be obsolete within like a year and a half all the time at least for the foreseeable future i think yeah all right let me move on to another reader mail here, Faceplants writes him, and he says, do your sources ever mention why they chose to come to you with leaks? Do they mention your previous coverage of leaks or the quality of your analysis? It's starting to feel like the more high-quality leak content you make, the more information leakers share with you. Well, that's correct. I mean, um, it's not always clear, but it, and Endurance touched on this before, a lot of it comes down to, hey, I've actually been a fan, and I work at AMD, or more likely recently, Intel. And they'll say, 
here's what I know. Here's an actual roadmap. And then if I have another source I've had for a while that I know has access to Intel roadmaps, I can at least put it past that person and go, yes, real? And they can say <laughs> yes or no. And then I can put it past, because I actually have like four or five Intel sources now. So it's very easy for me to confirm at the very least stuff they're working on. Um, and yeah, it's it's the quality of the analysis. And a lot of it comes down to what you're going to do with it. So if they're leaking it with you, it's often because they just have fun talk. Uh, I've found talking about it and um, they 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 want some people to hear about this information. But you got to think about motives. And, and so if they think I'm just going to be a fanboy and say, I don't care about Intel stuff, then they won't send it to me. But if they've seen me do a lot of detailed Intel analyses in the past and they see me not saying Intel's going to crush everything, but also not just disregarding what Intel's trying to do, they're more likely to talk to me. The same with AMD and NVIDIA. You know, if they think that I'm going to give it a fair chance, um, I think they're more likely to reach out to me. And and I'm a little worried about how many leaks I've had recently because I'm not trying to just be only leaks, but it's just a coincidence <laughs> that I just have all this Intel and Ampere and AMD info right now and PlayStation info right now. Like, it's just coincidence. I just do. Sorry, I do right now, and I'm not going to hold my info. Avenger, the 22nd, writes him, and he says a link to a Forbes article. It says, Tom and Dan, please discuss. And it says there are 36 intelligent alien civilizations in our galaxy, most likely according to scientists. Did you look at this uh, link, Dan? Yeah, I did. I don't know how much there to how much there is to discuss about it. I hope there's 36 alien uh I didn't have time to dig into this one too much. Can you summarize for the listeners and me kind of what the state, what they said? So I, I don't, I'm forgetting how they got the exact number from, but they basically took, figured out like the number of, it, it's essentially, I think the number of planets, like based on how many planets are in like the Goldilocks zone in galaxies. Mm. I, I mean, in uh, exoplanets that we know about and extrapolating that to how many there probably would be in the entire galaxy. And then trying to figure out how many could exist uh, with us at any given time. And I think they arrived at 36. And that's based on an assumption that it would take about four to five. It would take about five billion years to reach an intelligent civilization. <laughs> um, so it's basically assuming how many. Hey, but we might get there before Intel gets to seven nanometer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, go on. But no, so it's basically assuming that Earth isn't special for some reason. There's probably this many. Right. Which I would assume, wouldn't you? I would assume, but I, I do think there's always this uh, tendency uh, when talking about science to assume that like some rare one in a million event didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, one in a million, that is that one time does always happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I, mean, I, I, I would hedge that we're probably not special. Yeah, I mean shit we have two planets in our goldilocks zone in our solar system (laughs) yeah Uh, mars and earth and if mars just had like a stronger uh core than it did uh mars would probably have life on it Mm -hmm. and then we could have a and then well we need to fix it though so that we can create a kill zone situation um, I think that's a good idea. Well, that's one of my favorite yeah. first person shooters, so it's like good idea, right? Yeah, so you probably want to recreate that. Because <laughs> definitely happy things happen in that game. Yeah, that's a happy that's how I would put that game. It's a happy, happy game. I mean, its name is Killzone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, which really the name doesn't, I guess I don't know even what you would call that game, but uh, that's one of those things where it's like, I'm not even sure that name makes sense, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think there's probably life out there, but I think this argument that we may never meet it is a legitimate argument. Well, yeah, and they did note if all of these civilizations currently exist, um, there's still the problem that 17,000 light years is the average distance between them. The the honest answer is we would probably still never meet them, at least not within any perceivable amount of time to us. Hopefully we do, though. I want to meet some aliens. It's on my bucket list. Have a conversation with an alien. So I'm not dying until I can speak to Garrus from Mass Effect. And I think that's a reasonable expectation. I think that's a reasonable expectation, right? Um, well, Dan, that's all of it. That's all of the stories. That's all of the reader mail. I, they put a fun one at the end there. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to discuss about any of the, you know, any AMD Intel? There's just so many leaks now. I guess I'll say that at the end too, that I'm just like, Focusing on what I can focus on. Remember, guys, I have an APU history video and an R&D behind-the-scenes video, a PlayStation 5 and Xbox behind-the-scenes video that I've just been on hold because of my Ampere and Intel and AMD info I've been receiving. And I maybe I'll get to them once this job becomes full-time in about a week or so. Um, well, I would say given how leaky the past few weeks have I know. Been, uh, I would expect a lot of news soon. <laughs> yeah, so for those who don't know, I, I bought a car because uh, I actually have a, com- I, I have a company car now, and so I have to buy my own car. Um, uh, and, and, and when that Intel, you know, Sapphire Rapids and Alder Lake video came out, I was so pressed for time because there were rolling power outages for no reason. Well, because of branches and squirrels, apparently, um, over the weekend that I finished putting it together right when like uh, I had my dad pick me up because, you know, I can't if I was going to drive home with the car, he had to bring me there. And I literally finished it and started it rendering when he came. And then I finished putting in the information with a hotspot and a laptop while I was driven to the dealership. And it came out when I got to the dealership. Like, that's how busy I've been. So I'm just looking forward to being able to get more than four hours of sleep and not work two jobs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I uh, And you lived with me, Dan, so you know the hours I was working. Oh, yeah. And I was working very similar hours when I lived with you. Yeah, I felt I felt bad at one point just eventually because like you were working all the time and I would just wake up. I had nothing to do all day. <laughs> you wake up at noon and be like, I guess I'll mow the lawn. Yeah, and every once in a while I would say I have a grad school interview, so that was fun. <laughs> Which now you're a real big boy. So I'm a real big boy now. Well, I think that's it then. I'm just, I guess what I'm saying though is, yeah, I should have more time soon, but I will be using a decent amount of that to finally get enough sleep so I don't look so dead in some of my videos and <laughs> like blokes points out, stumble over half of the words I'm saying in delirium. And, um, but I am like, I'm not going to respond to every little thing on Twitter. I am going to selectively pick some of them because there's only so much info I can cover. And, yeah. uh, I guess if that's all we have left to say, I'll just remind you, remember, this is fan-supported on Patreon. If you uh, subscribe to Patreon, you get the podcast ad-free and early and access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, the exclusive podcast, uh, Hits and Gems at the right level. Uh, You get to submit, you get to vote for the next episodes of those. You get to submit reader mail to all of these, uh, which the next Die Shrink will probably be a mailbag of like, you know, so again, if you've been submitting them, we've been saving them. 
And uh, yeah, and then Flyover State's early and all of that other behind the scenes stuff like Discord uh, membership. Uh, so if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting us. Otherwise, please share our content. Please remember to subscribe to Broken Silicon on podcast apps. Remember, if there's ever some problem with YouTube, like YouTube has been going down a lot lately, you can just yeah. go to Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or Google Play and just subscribe to the podcast. And that jacks up our standing on the charts. And if we get into the top 10 of technology or gaming chart podcasts, which we're actually not that far away from it, we've got, by the way, guys, this is getting pretty big. Um, that will be advertised to people naturally on like Apple Podcasts. I'll bring in even more viewers that weren't on YouTube. So just a reminder there, share. We do thank you for your support. I love you all. Dan loves you. I'm undecided actually on that. And uh, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website, Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon Die Shrink and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at $1, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Law's Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Bootman, Carbon Cry, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I Love You, Lynn and Jim, Bollocks, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Frederick Lau, James Crasta, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Brad Medlin, Phil S., Thigh Rister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, TSPCFS, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Diesel, Daniel Hyde, Matthew McMullon, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, VI Pass, Sadler Sadler, Richard Gohagon, Alethros, Telos, Caden Picknell, Greg T. Wanchik, Jacob Barber, Exoti, Hector Santana, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, Jan Rauner, Robert Ducks, Drita Full, Ali Robertson, Hardforum.com, Jonathan, Job, Evan Dingle, Nick Neasy, Dominic Durk, Harold P. Bureau, Wayne, Sam MacArthur, Total Silo, Sol Connor, Michael Casa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, AJ Klein, Endless Longins, Tom San Filippio, Justin Brennan, 
Archon971, Trevor Powers, Garrick Scholl, Alinia, Joshua Stavnis, Daniel Nishball, Franco Frederick, Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastillo, and Dominique Cock. And of course, thank you to Sahara for the music as always. Thank you.